I'm Jasmine Moradi, and you're listening to the Queens of Tech podcast, a podcast series about raising the voice of workplace champions. 60 plus questions in around 30 minutes with women, non-binary and transgender influencers about their journey into STEM, science, technology, engineering and mathematics. I started the Queens of Tech podcast initiative in May 2022 because I would like to retain more women, non-binary and transgenders in the tech industry. Talent is out there, but our work environment needs to improve for all to feel safer, stay authentic and to be valued for our contributions. My vision is to raise the workplace ecosystem for all in the tech industry by killing the imposter syndrome, stopping bad behavior and increasing equity opportunities. Each podcast talk is built around 60 plus questions regarding upbringing, education, career path, DEIB, and future advice. My mission is to bridge the gap between schools and workplaces by getting to the heart of my guests' personal life and career journey to inspire other girls, women, non-binary, and transgenders to unleash their full potential to reach top leadership roles in the tech industry. My goal is to raise the voice of tech champions around the world and together with companies, investors, and politicians, raise the challenges and opportunities around equity, inclusive diversity, and belonging in our workplaces. Enough is enough. I would like to enforce companies to build a sustainable, inclusive culture, to retain diverse talent, so we keep the workplace power equity to continue building future diverse and inclusive products. Your voice matters. In this episode, I'm very excited to welcome my guest, tech queen Jane Loas, founder of Loas Consulting and podcast host of Leadership Reimagined. Hi, Jane. Hi, Jasmine. How are you? I am super happy because spring is here and the weather is 22 Celsius degree here in Stockholm. So when the sun is out, I'm happy. How are you? I am doing great. We've got sunshine in today in D.C. after months of rain and it was a mild winter, but we had lots of rain. So I'm glad for the spring, too. And I'm very happy to have you joining us all the way from D.C., this is exciting. So I'm really looking forward to today. Well, let's get it going. Hope you're ready for the Queens of Tech 60 plus questions. Let's warm up with a few fun facts about you. How would you describe your personality in three hashtags? Audacious, fun, and a bookworm. How would you describe your life in three sentences? I'm a mother of three amazing daughters. I got into technology when software developers were called programmers. And I love sports. I love both water and snow skiing. What kind of music stimulates and motivates you the most? Something really upbeat. I don't listen to a lot of music because I just don't like a lot of chaotic noise. But if I'm going to listen to music, I want it to be really upbeat. What is your personal motto? I'm out to create a shift in how we do business. What is your favorite book? Currently, I'm reading a series, Lin John Rao. It's a murder series that takes place in Japan in the 17th century. That's very interesting. What is your favorite podcast? My podcast, Leadership Reimagined. Mac or PC? PC. Say something interesting about you that most people don't know. 
when I learned to water ski, I was seven years old and it took me like 20 times to get up and I would not quit. What is your hidden talent? I'm very right brain, left brain. So when people say something, all of a sudden I'm thinking of new ideas. If you were going to write a book about your life, what would the title be? Just say yes. Great start, Jane. Let us dig deeper. Our childhood has an effect on our adulthood. Our early experiences shape our belief about ourselves, others, and the world. Now, I want to discover your childhood. Where did you grow up? In Minnesota. What was your dream job as a child? I wanted to be a nurse, I think, like every other little girl at that time. What was your favorite subject in school? Reading. What was your least favorite subject? Social studies. What is your earliest memory of technology and the arrival of the internet? I was in college at that time, and people may not even remember this, but a friend of my brother's had a heat kit. They started making radios. That's what they made first. And they had made an electronic calculator. Which were then your three first technology gadgets you owned? A Commodore 64, and then a PC with a 10 meg. This is a 10 meg, not a 10 gig hard drive that everybody said, why do you need that much storage? An orange and black screen. And I said to my husband at the time, I said, I wish I would have bought a color screen. And he said, but you've got a color screen. It's orange. <laughs> Who was your female role model growing up and why? Laura's Nightingale, because she took care of people. How do you think where you grew up and the school you went to and the generation you come from influence your education and career choice? Growing up in the late 50s and 60s, it limited my choices in that, you know, like I said, I was going to start in nursing. And the fun part was, though, I got to be at the beginning of technology. Lovely, Jane. Now, I'm going to read two quotes. First one. How does the universe expect me to choose a career path at 16? I can't even choose what I want for dinner. Second, Abraham Lincoln said, I quote, the best way to predict your future is to create it. So Jane, I want to know the choices behind your career path. Where and what did you study at university? Well, I started in nursing, then I went into social work, and then I went into information systems because I asked, so I want to study about computers. And they said, we have computer science or information systems. And I said, what's the difference? And he said, in computer science, you study discrete math. So I said, I'll do information systems. Now, we know that discrete math is just math with numbers, but I didn't know that. And I was too scared to ask. Who and what influenced you to get into your choice and field? Well, in the computers, I took this logic test. I'd never thought I was very logical and I did very well. And they were the ones that said, well, you might want to consider computers. I don't think I would have ever considered it on my own. Then what professional roles have you had before that led you to start your own? I was a software developer when I started, and then I became a project manager because I also have very good people skills, so I could talk to users that didn't know technology. And I found it really expanded my thoughts about what I could do. So after doing that for a number of years, I started my consulting business, and then I pivoted into coaching. So what does Lovas Consulting do? 
now coaching women in technology. I'm on a mission to cause and elevate 1 million women leaders in technology. So I'm coaching and I'm writing a book and I'm doing webinars and podcasts and different things to get the message out and empower women in technology. What is your title and what is your main responsibilities? Well, I'm the owner of Love is Consulting, and primarily I'm a coach. So I coach, and I write, and I talk a lot. And why did you start the consultancy agency? Originally, I started it because I've never been a really good employee, because I like doing so many different things. So I did consulting for other companies and said, well, let me just start my own. And I loved it because I could do whatever I wanted. What does a typical work day look like for you? Right now, I spend an hour and a half every morning working on my book. And then I spend time doing marketing and then time with my clients or working on something for my clients. Like I'm getting ready to put on a webinar on leadership. I love the quote, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. So Jade, what do you love about your role? I absolutely love coaching and with people figuring out what it is that they want to create and how they're going to create it. So one of the things that I do is vision and mission mapping, creating something new. What is the best experience you've had in your role so far? Any examples? Well, we were just talking about the vision and mission mapping, and it, it's not totally technology related. I was working with a client and she was all over the place in what she wanted to do. And after doing my vision and mission processing, we were able to pull it all together. And she is actually a real estate developer in an inner city area outside of Washington, D.C., And the reason that's important to her is because she wants to bring support and beauty into communities. And so once she was able to tie that all together, her business started flourishing. And what is the biggest challenge of Encounter so far and how did you tackle it? The biggest challenge is finding clients that want to work with me that have the time, you know, because everybody's so busy, especially those initial conversations, so they can see how beneficial it will be to them. And we're all short of time. And it's like getting that first conversation. What do you wish everybody understood about your role? That I'm here to create a safe space for women in technology to be the leaders that they know they can be. And what is the one common myth about your professional field that you want to disapprove? That it does make a real difference. You know, there are a lot of people that put off getting coaching because I don't think it's really going to make a difference. What do you love about working in the tech industry? The opportunity to solve major problems in the world. Oprah Winfrey said, I quote, think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is not a stepping stone to greatness. So Jane, what have by far been your biggest achievement in your career? I have been so lucky to work with just amazing clients that are doing amazing things. What is the biggest factor that has helped you become successful and its success habits? I continue to work on myself. And when something's not working, I keep looking at, okay, what is it that's not working? How do you measure your own performance at work? Well, I have a coach also. With success comes failure. What is your biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from it? 
The first time that I went out on my own without being fully prepared and knowing the market, and I brought other people with me. What is inspiring and motivating the most in your role and career right now? Believe it or not, the causing 1 million women leaders in technology. Let us not jump into influence on mentors, role models, champions, and sponsors. Role models can consciously or subconsciously be a powerful force in our lives. In addition, champions can stand up and advocate for us and open up the world of possibilities. Sponsors match emerging talent with leaders and influential employees who can help us move ahead in our careers. Jane, do you have a mentor, champion, or a sponsor today? I have a mentor. I have gotten so much out of them because it's somebody that I can go to and ask questions. I don't have a champion or a sponsor. And so thank you for asking that because I know that's something inside of an organization that's really important. And I'd never thought about it. Like I'm a solopreneur there. I don't have somebody to championing me in my own business. And that's not to say that I couldn't find a coach that maybe does some different kind of coaching that could do that same work. So just looking outside the box. Who is the female non-binary or transgender role model you look up to in your field? I have to say that I am meeting so many women that have just amazed me with what they're doing. I met a leader a number of years ago, and she just moved mountains and walked around like she so belonged. She was the first woman leader, now that I'm thinking about it, that I could say, she's going someplace. I want to go with her. History shows that it has been more common for men having mentors, champions, and sponsors in business than women. So Jane, how important do you think it is to have a mentor, champion, or sponsor during one's career? I think it's critical. It makes things so much easier. And I wish that I had known that when I had originally started my career. Let's move on to leadership. Adina Friedman, president and CEO of Nasdaq, said, I quote, empowering those around you to be heard and valued makes a difference between a leader who simply instructs and one who inspires. And Shirley Samber, ex-COO of Facebook, said, I quote, leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure that the impact lasts in your absence. Jane, what does leadership mean to you? That's why I'm writing my book, Leading with Love, because to me, leadership is about causing the success of those around you, knowing that with the knowing and the trusting, that success is actually going to come back to you as opposed to having to focus on my success and want others to make me successful. No, when I focus on causing their success, I look like I'm amazing and leaders look like they're amazing. What do you then consider a good versus a bad leader? A good leader is one that really takes interest in the people they lead, whether formally or informally. And a bad leader is me, 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 me. Who's your favorite female, non-binary, or transgender tech leader and why? The one that, that I really admire was a woman named Peggy. I worked for her at a couple of different companies. And if she went to a new company and called, because I was doing consulting work at that time, I was like, I'm there because she was great to work with and she made you feel important. How would you describe yourself as a leader? A powerful leader that's really committed to empowering and being related with the people that I work with. And as a leader, what values are most important to you? Authenticity, being curious and being clear. 
What leadership lessons have you learned that have formed you into the leader you are today? It was a boss. I can't even say that that person was a leader. It was one of my early jobs as a software developer. And when I went for my review, I was told there were some problems in some of the code you wrote. And I was very confused because nobody had ever told me that. And they said, I fixed them. So they were okay. And it was like, well, how was I ever going to learn? You know, this getting told months later when there's nothing you can do is like having the rug pulled out. And so I swore that I would never do that. What are your three strengths and three weaknesses? My strengths are my ability to see, to conceptualize and see things, to really enroll people into doing things. And I tend to be a bit of a lone wolf, so I'm often running, expecting everybody to come with me. And so my weaknesses are some of those same strengths because I can get that big picture and see it. And then I go running and I've really had to work on now making sure that People were coming with me and that they really saw what we were out to create. I can get really focused on something and shut everyone out and not ask for help. So being present to that. Let us now jump into the hottest topic in business today, workplace culture, unlocking the power of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Jane, what does DEIB mean to you personally? It's being able to have conversations and include people that don't necessarily look like me to work with because we've all got such different experiences. I'm co-author in a book that was four women, all with very, very different backgrounds, ethnicity. And I mean, that was before anybody was even talking about it. And we've been friends for years. Why would I want to have conversations with myself? But if I'm going to have a conversation, I don't want it to be, yeah, let's do this. And everybody's on the same page. And we're all, we're going to create something that looks exactly like all of us. I want all of our parts and all of the diversity of thought and experiences to be brought into it. What do you consider being three to five signs of good company culture if you were to join a company? There definitely has to be diversity in that organization because that's a reflection of whatever they say about their culture. And that definitely means diversity at senior level because I'll see it at the entry level and junior level, but as you get up into senior level, it gets more and more similar. You know, so diversity is very important, but also authenticity, where what leadership says maps to what they do. As a woman, what has been the most significant barrier in your career and how have you overcome these challenges? Two barriers that I've had, but they haven't been just in industry. They've impacted was my husband was active duty in the military. So we moved fairly often, which was great for technology at the time because I could get a job any place. I never looked at what did I want for a career? How did I want my career as in technology? So I would just go and get the same job someplace else. And I see other women doing similar things. That to me was one of the biggest challenges. And then when I started my business, I just jumped in and I didn't get as clear as I could have with doing the, the upfront, who do I want to work with? What am I going to focus on? I have all these interests. So it's like, well, I can do all of this stuff. Well, you can't. It's really hard to market all of this stuff. And I see other consultants, coaches trying to do that same thing. Well, I can do everything. 
What do you think is important for more women, non-binary and transgenders to join the tech industry today? Because we have so many problems in the world that tech is going to be a major portion of the solution. And we need all those viewpoints. Dave, and how do you speak with your colleagues about DIB challenges, for example, salary gaps and promotions? Because I don't have colleagues, I talk with others in the space and friends about that. And that's part of, you know, why I'm also writing this book. Not that I'm discussing DEI, it's that when leaders are really committed to their teams, they're going to make sure that those things happen. There are many public and internal discussion about the barriers women, non-binary and transgenders face from reaching high position in the tech industry. How do you feel it has affected and is affecting you? And what is your advice on how to best unblock these roadblocks? Well, I see that it impacted me in that there were a couple different jobs where I had been and opportunities came up and the company was not open to an opportunity. So what I'm committed to is supporting women. And I didn't advocate for myself. Now looking back is I didn't know about having a mentor, a sponsor, champion or anything. So part of the coaching that I do is for women leaders to create their group we call stakeholders that are then interested. And it's more than sponsors and champions. It's direct reports. And those people then become interested in their leader's success. And I think that is one thing that's critical because then it gives you the space. And so with having a coach like myself, you actually start dealing with those conversations. Today, tech companies spend a lot of marketing money to attract women, non-binary and transgenders. However, at the same time, they're finding it hard to retain them. Articles show that women are leaving the tech industry. Jane, what is your best advice on strategies for how companies can work to build a stronger corporate culture that engages gender diversity and equity? There's sort of two tracks of challenges that I see for anyone in this group. One are women who are mothers. Society does not, especially here in the U.S., truly support working mothers. School gets done at three o'clock. Most jobs do not get done at three o'clock, especially in an area like Washington, D.C. Daycare doesn't even always cover because if you get stuck in traffic, you get stuck at work 20 minutes later. So, so there are structural things that we have. We've got cultural things, as we saw during the pandemic, that women still provide primary child and home care. So women are going home to a second job. Then while women start in technology at entry and mid-levels at about 50%, as they go up, they're not mentored the same way. And unfortunately, women don't oftentimes come in knowing that they're going to have to ask for this. And then we need men to support. And it's not about, you know, I also hear the story about the male that was fired so that a woman could take that position. That's not going to solve the problem either. It's looking at how can we have as many blinders on in ways to support people, then opening our eyes and saying, okay, what are we still missing? You know, if even with our blinders on, we've still got a predominantly male organization, what are we missing? We're not inviting women to the table. 
or transgenders. We're not ensuring that they're included. Again, back to the women are the primary care provider, and then organizations do things at night and you know on the weekends where there's informal networking and socializing. So looking at, oh, we got a whole bunch of men around here. Where's our diversity? We needed to have the, the diversity of thought so we can solve some of these challenges that we've got coming in the world. What would you then say are the few challenges of implementing DIB culture in a workplace today? Getting to that critical point where it then just becomes what we do. Studies have been done and when the diversity is at 30 to 35 percent, people begin feeling like they're a part of it. When you're the only woman at the table, it's much harder to be a part of the conversation. Why and how do you think companies would benefit from having not just women, non-binary and transgender leaders, but actually higher gender representation at sea level and boardrooms with mandate? I really resist mandates because it's like pushing against something then. And sometimes you almost have to do that to get things over the edge. And statistically, we see studies that when we've got diversity at over 30% in the boardroom at C-suite level, companies do better, financially do better. So if we know this, why do we not do this? That's when I think there's some level of mandates so that we can get up there so that it can become normal. How much do you think the tech industry has changed regarding this subject since you joined? Significantly, especially at the lower and mid-level, just the number of women going into technology. And women can't be held responsible for all of it. I think there's more that women can do to advocate for themselves and for each other. Looking back on your career, what one thing would you have changed in your working environment to break the bias? I would have joined some type of mentoring women's group. I think that's actually something I'm getting ready to start for women leaders is a safe space where they can come there and share their trials and tribulations and their triumphs. Looking forward, what will you do as a leader to improve the bias of the next generation of women, non-binary, and transgenders in tech beyond your book, coaching, and your amazing podcasts? Well, they're really kind of conversation groups is what I'm going to call them so that we can have these discussions in a safe place. Let us move on to another hot topic in business today, which is work-life balance and mental health. Jane? You have, without a doubt, a busy lifestyle. How do you take care of yourself to maintain good mental health? I walk every day and I'm in a program that supports looking at, okay, am I taking care of the parts of my life? And I've got a very active spiritual practice. And I try and ski and do some physical activity more than just the walking. So making sure that I'm looking at all those areas and I read. Have you ever experienced burnout? Not really, but I think it's partly because I have enough, even with my clients and when I was consulting and things, I had enough variety and breaks between and clients were different enough. So it didn't go there. And I've seen people that have. What is your advice on how companies can create a more mentally healthy workplace in the new now? 
one thing is you cannot be penalized for taking your vacation. It should just be mandatory, but there should be no underground of if you're off for those two weeks that you're going to miss something and come back and have lost an opportunity because that's what keeps people from really taking the time away that they need the fear that they're going to miss out on something because they've seen it happen to somebody or heard it happen to somebody. What motivates you every day to get out of bed? What am I going to create today? Now, let us wrap up with a few words of wisdom and a piece of advice for our listeners. Jane, what is the best piece of advice you've been given that has helped you during setbacks in your role and career? It's not personal. And then, what is the worst advice you've ever been given and how did you tackle that? It's not personal. Is there something you wish you would have known or a skill you wish you had when starting out in the tech industry? I wish I had known to advocate for myself. If you had the ability to go back in time to when you were just at the beginning of your career, what advice would you give to your younger self? Time goes really fast. What advice would you give to young girls, women, non-binary, and transgenders who want and trying to break into STEM fields today, especially wanting to become next-generation leaders? Have some really deep conversations where you don't know any of the answers. Just talk about what it is that you love to do, what you want to do. Because once you start getting that all out, then doors begin to open. And then start looking in those doors and seeing what's possible. Last but not least, Jane, what is next for you in your role and career in tech? What are your career aspirations? Causing 1 million women leaders, the successful launch of my book, speaking and working with more amazing women clients. Lovely, Jane. I look forward to following your journey. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Queens of Tech podcast. Sharing your journey will, without a doubt, inspire change and reshape company culture for the next generation of women, non-binary, and transgender leaders in the tech industry. Thank you, Jasmine. And I think this conversation can't help but create those opportunities and those changes. Thank you for listening. If you have worked in the tech industry a minimum three years and would like to share your journey, please nominate yourself or somebody you know to i at jasminemoradi.com. For more podcast episodes and to learn more about the Queens of Tech initiative and to support us, visit Queens of